0: Hey, i got to tell you a funny story. A couple days ago, somebody said that I was hissing the word repent, and they thought that my name, Rick
1: Bennett, I was saying repent, so first for everything.
0: Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology. I'm Rick Bennett, and you can repent if you want, but it's up to you. In our next conversation with Joe Jessup, we're going to talk more about the Adam-God doctrine, Um, how many wives does it take to get into heaven? and a lot of other can of worms like uh, racial issues within the AUB. I was really surprised what a big deal that is. So you won't want to miss this conversation. Check it out. I feel like we need to talk about
1: Adam God. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm an open book. Don't ask me questions you don't want me to <laughs> spew forth on.
0: Cause... Well, I had um... And I don't know how familiar you are with Christ Church, the Peterson Group, essentially. Because um, I, I was like, I don't understand Adam God at all. And they actually, I thought, gave me a really good explanation. And I feel like I have a much better handle on it. Um, but is that one of those things where the AUB kind of views the LDS as like, oh,
1: you... They don't understand the doctrine. They're not living the fullness of a doctrine. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It it as I mentioned earlier, it wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't negate their priesthood, but the, it's just something that the church just doesn't understand. It's one of the many things that the church has given up the 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 precious truths of the gospel that the church has given up over the years, and there's a there's a handful of them uh, that the that the AUB group feels that the church has given up okay. for sure. Uh, the Adam-God doctrine being one of them. So,
0: because two things that I want to talk about with that. So, Lindsay Hanson-Park, I
1: don't know if you know her.
0: She has a pod- Sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, I recognize the name, but I don't know.
0: She has yeah. a podcast called Year of Polygamy. And okay. She's also the Sunstone director. Okay. Um, but one of the things that she said on my podcast was, the reason why the LDS Church de-emphasizes Adam-God is because if you believe Adam-God, you have to believe polygamy. Now, I, I, I mentioned that to uh, David Patrick, who's the president of the Corma 12 in Christchurch, as well huh? as Benjamin Schaefer, who's a 70, and they said, You can believe in Adam God, but you don't have to be a polygamist. So,
1: w- w- yeah. That, so, what what I what I personally think, and what I and what I understand of the Adam God doctrine are two different things. Because I have my own personal philosophy on oh. <laughs> on what I think it is. Um, but as far as what the the fundamentalists believe, and again, it's they everything will go back to Brigham Young on this one. They'll find you'll find little slivers of it in Joseph Smith, but. The, 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 if you're mining on the if you're going on a mining expedition for Adam God doctrine the, the nuggets are in Brigham Young <laughs> you might find a flake or two with Joseph Smith but really do you think he went back to jo- did Joseph Smith teach Adam God I don't think he did if he did I'm not saying that he didn't maybe allude to it but it was well, not some,
0: King Follett right yes
1: because you talk about the King uh, Follett ser- um, sermon at, at his funeral and things like that so you certainly have things that, you know, you want to read between the lines. You could say, yeah, okay, this certainly would encompass and, uh, and could fit within that. But it's Brigham Young who really codifies it and really starts teaching it that, that Adam is the literal, physical and spiritual father of Jesus Christ. And uh, and that Mary is one of God's wives. So it's Adam and Mary who get together that end up having Jesus Christ in the Immaculate Conception, or if you put it that way, the not so immaculate conception.
0: <laughs> Would we? Start? Oh, this is a can of worms um i was just talking about i'm trying to remember i just talked to todd compton about this um because we were talking a little bit about polyandry would mary be polyandrous since she was married to joseph and adam
1: sure yeah in in that regard you could you could say that but you know joseph would yeah yeah you're absolutely right you're you're opening up in a can of worms there of you know how do you describe who mary is right um so, yeah, so that's, that's the essence or the basics of what the Adam-God doctrine is. I remember having a, a discussion with my, my dad once. and Because I, I, I never, just on a personal level, I've read all about it. And it just doesn't, it, me personally, it doesn't make sense. It, it Adam-God doesn't make sense. To me, it doesn't. Um, but I can sit down with my brother and we can debate for three hours and to him it makes perfect sense absolutely perfect sense to me it doesn't i can't i can't make it add up and so but one time i was i was kind of got into a bit of an argument with my dad and i said i said why why are we why do we care so much like who add who god is and, and he, he told me, he said, well, it, it's, your, it's your duty, it's your priesthood duty to know the very nature of God. And once you understand the very nature of God, then you can understand what our true potential is. So the Adam-God doctrine, to me the way I understand it, is not so much about polygamy as it is about the potential of who God is. That that's what you can become. That you're going to eventually become an Adam. That those, those Godhead... Those the, the the gods, and you need all these extra wives to populate the planet, right? Well, and you need you need wives to populate the planet, but more more polygamy is not just about population. This is one of the misnomers that people uh, uh, have about polygamy. They think that it's about having the, the the two big ones. They think it's all about having kids. That's but it is important. I'm not saying that it's not, and that it's about the sexual desires of a man. <laughs> I'm not saying that those two things aren't present, but they're certainly not the the absolute reasons. The reasons for polygamy is not just to go and have more children, although that is part of it, because the more children they have, the bigger your kingdom becomes. Um, And that's what it's, you know, we're required to replenish the earth. Right. Okay, so that's part of it. But the other part of it, Rick, that, that... That a lot of people don't understand that the real the real reason, or the biggest reason for living polygamy, is that you learn to govern. You learn to become God.
0: You learn to deal with all the dysfunctional family members. Right.
1: That's exactly. Well, yeah. (laughs) You you have to. You're going to learn things you never learned. You you and I aren't going to have the beauties of trying to have a second wife get along with a first wife.
0: Well, and that's the thing, when you look at the Bible, I mean, I know so many people have problems with polygamy, um, especially like Protestants, and and I have some Protestant listeners. um, Sure. And, but I sit there and I look, and and I just flat out say, look, it's in the Bible. Moses was a polygamist. You know, Abraham was a polygamist. Like, David, Solomon, you, and, and. Every single one of them. Every single one of them had dysfunctional families.
1: <laughs> every single one of them, yes. And so so this is where I'm going with this. This is a little bit nuanced. I get it. And and I may get some people in the AUB group, if, if they listen, I don't know if they do or not, um, that may disagree with me. Um, they'll say, oh, he kind of got part well, of it. If you disagree,
0: but... come on here. And I'd love to have you talk
1: <laughs> about it. But really, so polygamy encompasses the ability of a man to, to become a god. They're building their kingdom, um, and they're learning how, how to rule, how to rule justly and fairly, how to love, how to create and get along, and how to, how to build this kingdom so that they can advance to become gods. That that's the essence of not only Adam God so doctrine a, but it's the essence of polygamy. As a god you need to learn to deal with dysfunction, right? Well yeah, you better. I mean cuz we know from the preexistence that even world. Lucifer was in in the very existence, you know, he was right there, so we don't ever get away from it. We don't ever get away from dysfunction.
0: <laughs> we do we have a wrong idea of the celestial kingdom? <laughs>
1: Maybe so. Maybe so, but that's, that, that's, a, that's a really, when you start talking, and we're talking really deep doctrine and nuances here, right? But, but one of, the, and this is where I will get in some trouble with some of my friends and family. Well, there's a say, oh, you're just way off your rocker here, Joe. But one of the things that happens in polygamy is, remember, we talked about this already, you don't live polygamy outside priesthood authority. Otherwise, it's adultery, Right. right. I would actually argue, and it's my, my personal belief, I'm not saying this is doctrine, I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but from what I've seen, one of the, one of the problems with polygamy is priesthood authority. <laughs> because what happens is when you're taught that you can only go to the celestial kingdom if you live the laws that the gods live. If you want the blessings of Brigham, you got to live the way Brigham lived. Well, if you teach that, that you you now suddenly put a huge weight on that doctrine. It's a big, heavy weight, and and it creates a, a tremendous amount of pressure to not only do it but to do it right. So these these families are under insane pressure Rick. it
0: just seems impossible to me to do it to quote do it right mm-hmm.
1: yeah it, it, well it it is it, life is impossible to do right and let alone you add all of that on top of it but you start you start putting into into your family life and your family structure the weight of eternity and now people are entering polygamous relationships because it's the only way to get to eternity, to get there. Otherwise, they're damned souls. And, and, and it's a problem. I, I Personally, I see that as a problem, because within the polygamous groups, this is what's happening. Oddly enough, it, polygamy it might actually work out a little bit better if it didn't have the big heavy thumb of the priesthood over the top of it, Saying this is an eternal doctrine and you better live it or be damned. If it was, I'm almost heresy here in saying this. If, you know, the Muslim countries, it's kind of a cultural thing. Yeah, if you want more than one wife and she consents and you guys consent and you're all good, fine. But it's put underneath the the thumb of, of priesthood authority as a have to. I know people, I'm I'm personal friends with people who view living polygamy as every bit as important, if not way more important than paying tithing. It's just, it's a doctrine. You live it. You do it. And if you don't, you cannot be with your wife for eternity. I know people that have gone out and married people that they don't love specifically so that they can be with their wife for eternity. (laughs) Oh, really? 100%. I know women who have coerced their husbands to marry again so that they can have an eternal family because otherwise we can't. That kind of pressure... It, 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 it's not livable it, it, things have to burst and, and so you, I, I believe that you're seeing some of those problems there, polygamy is not being lived the way it was even when I was younger even in the AUB groups it, the, so many people are, just aren't doing it it's like it's too much it's too much pressure there's still enough doing that, that it's still happening obviously i don't want to say that i don't want to give the the wrong direction that it's not happening it is but
0: is there a doctrine that you have to ha- a man has to have at least three wives to inherit and it seems like well the,
1: the celestial kingdom is also divided into three levels right oh yeah and remember each one of those levels has levels too
0: oh okay <laughs> It's multi-levels. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a multi-level
2: marketing.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, but each one of those, yeah, there's, and, and, and I grew up thinking and believing that if you didn't reach the very, very tippy-toppy of the top, uh-huh. that anything less than that would be pure hell right. because you knew that you should be here. And if you draw the shape of a pyramid, I, this, is, this is just me, I mean, I'm going a little bit facetious here and allegorical, but if you draw a pyramid on the whiteboard, how many people can fit at the top of that thing? <laughs> one of you can. Right, right. And that's one of the problems with what's happening in the fundamentalist groups. They're, they're so fundamentalist. The fundamentalist groups, the very nature of fundamentalism is not to reach out and include and gather the very nature of fundamentalism is to shed.
2: Hmm.
1: And, and so every time the skin is shed, or every time there's a winnowing, you're separating the wheat from the chaff. And so you will get people inside the AUB group that look at the 2014 split, that look at the, the 1951 split as 100% God-inspired, directed by God himself.
2: Hmm
1: because it purified and that's what we need to do is we need to purify and so what happens is is from an outside perspective and i know they don't see it this way and i'm, I'm going to have problems with my own family members who if if they end up seeing this will be like oh my gosh here goes joe again is that they end up building these walls around themselves these huge, massive spiritual and doctrinal walls, and nobody can get in. And oftentimes they, they forget to build a door in so that they can get out if needed. You are all in. You are all in or you are all out. The kingdom of God or nothing. Or nothing. There is no such thing as a little bit. You 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 get all the way in.
0: Very interesting. Um. So, going back to that question, the three the three wives is that
1: oh that uh, sorry to a certain level yeah I didn't I didn't mean to to throw off that question yeah there's different levels of of quorums if you will um that a that a man can achieve uh, this is not talked about uh, people aren't going to be happy that I'm even saying it this isn't something that's talked about over the pulpit you'll find it in priesthood circles. I keep doing this a lot, quote unquote. My dad used to always say that Oh, when I'd have a question for him and I would have these deep philosophical questions and he'd say well that's not the way that it's taught in priesthood circles. Or the way that we talk, the way that it's taught in priesthood circles. And I, I always want to say well where are these priesthood circles? Where where are these teachings? And one of the problems with fundamentalism is fundamentalism is very much an oral uh History and living of the of the gospel doctrines that they espouse. Because don't want to write
0: it down, or they'll end up in jail. <laughs>
1: well, well, that's part of it. True, but the, you know, I, I grew up thinking that fundamentalists don't change, and that's the, we don't change. We take what Joseph Smith taught, and we do what Joseph Smith taught, and that's what we do. And then, and I realized, I was like, whoa, 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 we change a lot. Uh-huh. The fundamentalist groups are constantly changing. One of the reasons that they're changing is there's nothing can ever be written down and pinned down. <laughs> You get, you get ten polygamists in a room and ask them what Rulon Allred said at his last sermon and you'll get ten different people going, well, here's what he said. And, and because none of the, the doctrines are like written down like this is what we're going to do and this is what the policy is, it, fundamentalism, which is supposed to be a rock, really ends up being more like a feather that gets blown around and, and changing constantly. I mean, I mean, constantly, because there's nothing ever that can get pinned down to, oh, this guy did this, and here's the way that it's supposed to be done. And so you won't hear this doctrine of wives, number of wives. You'll hear it in certain circles or in certain settings. You'd never hear it across the pulpit. But you first have to live polygamy. That's the first step, is you've got to live polygamy. So you've got to get two. So you got to get two. You've got to get your second. If you don't get your second, you can't even... I mean, you, you don't even get to knock on the door of the celestial kingdom. You know, really? getting there <laughs> no. are,
0: there are no single people in the celestial no. kingdom.
1: No, no. Oh, Rick. Oh
0: sorry, I thought you could get there.
1: How so very, very elementary of you to think that there would be What about like a, a man and a wife? A six year old that dies
0: before the baptism. Oh like well he's
1: got wives. He's got wives. Yeah, oh sure. If he's in the celestial kingdom, you betcha. Like, there there's nobody in the celestial kingdom that's not that's not a polygamist.
0: Okay. So
1: You can't get there without so being a polygamist.
0: Six year old boy dies from leukemia and marries the six-year-old girl who died from leukemia and then gets another one or something, or is that well, we don't it?
1: understand exactly how those work. <laughs> but what we do know is that you won't be in the celestial kingdom without living the highest laws of celestial plural marriage. That's and the so pinnacle doctrine.
0: The LDS are all going to the terrestrial kingdom?
1: Yeah, they won't be in the celestial kingdom. Ah, President Nelson probably could because
0: his, well, he's a serial. Yeah, his right.
1: his first wife died, and now he's married again. So he might he might be able to get. Okay, in so
0: people who marry multiple times because of death of wives, or what about divorce? Because uh, yeah.
1: you know, in the LDS,
0: you're not you're still sealed.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're just not going to get in without the blessings of polygamy. You're just not. That's. I mean, that's number. I mean, I'm not trying. I'm actually not trying to even be funny about it. That is legitimately the way that the fundamentalists believe. You are not getting. There's nobody in the celestial kingdom that is not living.
0: So that two is a bare minimum.
1: Two at a bare minimum. That, that'll get you a knock on the door, and maybe somebody will open the, up the door and say, "Hey, you can come in and visit. Leave your shoes on." <laughs> 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 um, but three is kind of. They have names for it, and I'm. I'm I'm, I'm getting them mixed up in my head right now. So rather than getting them wrong, I'm not even going to say them, but three and then five and then seven and then 12. Those are different quorums. Is anybody
0: going to top Solomon with 703? Oh, heavens no, He's got no, no. Solomon's 000, the man. man he's the top of the pyramid yeah,
1: he's, the, he's the top of the pyramid exactly <laughs> nobody's gonna right. catch Solomon but yeah so you will have like in order in order to serve on the council you are supposedly have to have three wives however that has changed because there have been men that have served on the council without three wives um, in order to be able to be the head of the priesthood you have to have at least five wives um, in order to to uh, Seven wives, there's a saying that Joseph Musser or Lauren Willy said any man any man that could that that could uh, govern seven wives had his calling and election made sure.
0: So. No matter the dysfunction or does it have to be <laughs> I mean I just look at poor Jacob, you know, he had four wives. And complete dysfunctional children.
1: Oh yeah, there's dysfunction all over the place. It, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, that's a, the the number of wives is a, certainly a, a hot topic. Um, as far as it's it's kind of one of the back. It's a hot topic, but it's also one of the things that's kind of like even even polygamists kind of like well, let's not talk about that because that kind of makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and I remember having an argument with my dad one time. He said, he said well, in order to get the blessings that Brigham Young is going to get, then you've got to live the way Brigham Young's got to get. And I said, well, Dad, you've got like 20 more wives to go then. Didn't he have like 60 or close to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Joe Smith had 20, what, 29 or something yes, like that. Yeah, Brigham Young had whatever, however many numbers Brigham he had. was
0: close to 60, yeah.
1: Whatever it was when I told Dad, I said, well, you've you got a lot more wives to go in order to get the blessings of Brigham. He didn't. And it was one of those awkward moments that I I love my dad, but it's one of those awkward moments that I had with my dad where he's like, kind of caught in his own stew, like, oh, that doesn't make sense, does it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Huh. So
1: yeah, so that's you know that's that's a big one, and and of course the black issue is another big issue within the fundamentalist movements as well, but you know that might have to be I don't know what you have for time wise, but that's that's a whole other. Is there more to go? I thought we covered it. But is there more? Oh, oh well, if you if you're, I'm here at your request, so <laughs> you can however you want to well, what ask. What else can you, you tell us about the black issue? Well, the the black issue is one of well, those. Heard... the reason I bring it up is because of how it really separates the 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 fundamentalists from the from the mainstream church.
0: This is one question that I have um, I don't know how how much people like in the AUB have studied like Lester Bush's stuff. Um, it, very little. Very little. Somehow. Because, you know, I look at Lester Bush, Bringhurst, um, Paul Ryu, I mean, Matt Harris especially is going to come out with oh, an yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. book. I cannot wait to have Matt Harris back <laughs> on. But... Um, in my, because the priesthood ban is one of my favorite issues. And I feel like I've documented pretty well five, six black men that were ordained before Joseph Smith died. Um, and then there's a guy named Warner McCary who Brigham Young in 1846 said, There's a fine African elder in Lowell, Massachusetts. And he was referring to Walker Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Brigham Young was favorably disposed to. Um, blacks having the priesthood. My theory, I need to write a book and make sure that I... Cause Paul Reed disagrees with me, but Paul's wrong. Uh, <laughs> love you, Paul. Uh, <laughs> because it seems to me, 1847-ish, um, I'll have to go back to my paper that I wrote. It seems to me that there were two issues. One was with a guy named Warner McCary, who tried to start doing some interracial polygamy, Mm -hmm. which did not go well. Mm -hmm. And then Walker Lewis's son Enoch had an interracial marriage as well. And there was a mixed race child um, and a a mission president named William Appleby told Brigham Young about this. So you've got these two interracial relationships. One was monogamous, but Warner McCary was definitely polygamous. And Brigham Young, concerning the, uh, the uh, Enoch Lewis case, said they ought to be killed. Because oh, he well, was so strongly against well, it's interracial it sad,
1: marriage. It, And it even goes deeper, than that, sadder than that, because now that, that poor interracial child can't even have children. He's like a mule. Oh, He's, yeah. That's
0: why they come with mulatto. Yeah. yeah Russell Stevenson talked about that. He
1: can't even, he can't even bear fruit. Yeah, I mean, that was the belief? That, that, then. that was the, the belief, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's my opinion that it, that Brigham Young was going to put a stop to interracial marriages because of Warner Lewis and... Uh, Warner McCary and Enoch Lewis. And that's when the ban came. Because you can't identify... I know Paul has done some amazing work with... Uh, I'm trying to remember what his website is, Century of Black Mormons, I think is what it's called, where there have been people, Elijah Abel a little bit of an exception, but there have been people that passed for white, that were ordained yes. or went, were married in the temple, in the case of a woman. Um, but those were, mis- you know, those would be mistakes, or we didn't know. Um, and so, no, with the exception of Elijah Abel's son and grandson, I think his grandson was ordained in 1934. Um, there haven't been any openly ordained black men since 1846 that I that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul Paul is an expert on it. So, Maybe he sounds something. But I but I I want to put the ban at 1847, like, and then then 1852 with the legislature. Blacks will not rule over me. I mean, Paul's done some fantastic work. Um, Paul says that. It really wasn't well defined until after Elijah Abel died, um, which is 1880 or something like that. And then Elijah Abel, we don't just want, don't want to talk about him anymore. Yeah, you know, we'll just put him in the memory so, hole. So,
1: yeah, that's that's interesting. But, but,
0: is, but my point is, how, do the, do the AUB even know about these? six men, probably not.
1: Oh, very little. They know very little about the actual history of blacks in the priesthood Any pre-Brigham Young. I
0: guess I need to write a book and then you can deliver it up in the park.
1: <laughs> so here's here's kind of the funny thing. Um, first of all, I, I joke with my uh, polygamist friends we joke quite openly, and especially with my family members, um, probably, probably a little bit too loosely about things like that, um, especially in this woke world that we live in. But uh, I always joke with them that you know what the church did in 1978. I always say they outfundamental the fundamentalists because the idea of a fundamentalist is you go back to Joseph Smith, you do what Joseph did, and I'm like. Isn't that kind of what 1978 did? All the way back, they they went back over the top. Right. I mean, Spencer W. Kimball went back to Joseph Smith. He didn't go back to bring young exactly. he, went back to, he went back to to Joseph Smith. Now you could get probably a, a hundred more people on here that know way more than me about blacks in the priesthood and blacks in the church pre 1847 and post-1852 and pre-1978 and all that kind of stuff. What I find, when I, when I think of blacks in, in the priesthood, I, I tend to look at it through a polygamous lens um, because it is a defining, I can't even tell you how importantly defining it is that blacks do not hold the priesthood, cannot hold the priesthood in the fundamentalist groups. It is it is literally the the very thing. Even as much, if not more so, than giving up polygamy.
0: More so than polygamy?
1: It, it, it's on the same. You want you want to talk about the pillars of polygamy? The pillars of polygamy are polygamy, <laughs> blacks and priesthood, and Adam God doctrine. Those are the pillars. You you don't. You don't... Blacks and the priesthood is something... I mean, the, the church lost their priesthood when they gave the black men the priesthood in 1978. They lost it, according to the polygamists. 100% lost it. You cannot hold the priesthood if you're a black man. You, as a black man, if you have any any amount of African blood in you, you are the seed of Cain. And therefore carry the curse of Cain. And the curse of Cain is you cannot have the priesthood until all the sons of Abel have had the priesthood. And the reason that you are a black man is because you are cursed from the pre-existence where you refused to fight. You didn't follow the devil. You didn't follow Satan, but you refused to fight with the forces of, of righteousness in Christ. And therefore, you were destined to come through the seed of Cain. You cannot hold the priesthood.
0: So, that, because, you know, to me that flies in the face of Article of Faith 2. Is that still a big deal with AUB?
1: Oh, sure. Well, you know, articles of faith are there, yes. Men are punished
0: for their own sins, but not for Adam's transgression. But Cain's is different. Cain's not Adam,
1: right? Is
0: that, is that the idea? Cain,
1: Cain's not Adam. He's post-Adam. So
0: you can be punished
1: for Cain's transgression, you be, Yes, but not for Adam. You, you could easily be, yes, you can be punished for Cain's transgression. But more importantly than that, you, in, in polygamy, Rick, the doctrine has jumped over the top of Adam. And gone to the pre-existence, so it doesn't have anything to do with Adam. They've gone to the pre-existence, and in the so pre-existence, in the pre-existence by not fighting in the pre-existence, based on their their lack of valiancy, their lack of willing to fight, that is what destines them to come through the seed of Cain.
0: And so, curses are multi-generational curses.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and even one drop. So yeah you you don't you, amen to the priesthood of that man you, you even one drop of of african blood and and you, the funny thing is is that is that in a weird way the the polygamists they're not they're not i know that sounds so racist for me to say that that's blatantly raw it's really it was really raw there might be people that watch this and go oh geez. Wow, yeah. what's he saying what's rick letting him say um, but weirdly enough, the polygamists don't really view themselves as racist. That oh, way. I'm not surprised at all. They they don't think that that's racist. They they actually think differently than that. They think that they're they're actually showing charity towards the black. Because you don't want to give the priesthood to somebody who can't handle it.
0: It's like a six, uh, you know, three-year-old driving a car, right? Yeah, that's exactly like right. Randy so bar. I
1: grew up with that. Rick, this is one of the big issues that I had when I joined the church. Not very many people know this. I share this with people. You know, now lots of people are going to know it. But, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I struggled with that. I had a very difficult time when I was joining the church. Like, I mean, I spend a lot of time... That was
0: tougher than polygamy for you? Literally. Way Monogamy, tougher. Monogamy, I guess I should say? <laughs>
1: Way tougher. Wow. Way tougher for me because I, I quickly and easily... I don't, I don't want to use the wrong word here, but I quickly and easily discarded polygamy because I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> but then when it came to actually being able to hold the priesthood, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be joining an organization that maybe doesn't have the priesthood, and then they, they have black person. What happens, Rick? What happens if a black person is going to hand me the sacrament? What do I do? That scared me. Really? That legitimately scared me. I remember my wedding day. My wedding day. I'm already a member of the church, but my wedding day, my best man, my best friend, my whole, my whole life growing up, comes to me and he starts talking to me about the temple. And he's, he's a member of the AUB group. And he's been married in their endowment house and gone through the endowment ceremony and what they think is or what they claim is the original endowment, which it isn't, but that's a thing for a whole nother. But
0: you haven't participated in that, right? I have
1: not participated in that, but I know all about it because I dig around and I have, you you know how it is when you're a historical researcher, you find things and you, that's just the way that it is. Uh, And then people come and share things with you that sometimes you wish that they hadn't shared. Um, But on on my wedding day, my best man, my best friend comes to me and he says, Joe, when you get ready to go through the temple, make sure that you never take the hand of a black man in the temple. My own father warned me of the same thing. Just make sure. Rick, and this is some some vulnerability for you here. The first couple of years that I was in the the Church. LDS Church. LDS Church. Um, we got My wife and I got married civilly first, and then I got we were sealed in the temple, um, in the Adolf Hills Temple, about a year after I was baptized. But when we started going to the temple, every time we'd go to the temple, I would pray. Pray, Lord, please, please don't let there be a black man in the temple. <laughs> I, I would seriously pray that. I, that I honestly would. And it was a real sincere prayer. I was scared to death. I was scared I was going to lose my priesthood. It just terrified me. And and so because you that is ingrained in you as a fundamentalist. You do not go there because that you're now you're talking son of perdition type of stuff. you're You're talking about blatantly, just disregarding your own priesthood when you know better. You've been taught, Joe. You know better. It was hard. It was... It, was some, this, it really, honestly, it's that issue that probably more than any other issue led me into uh, historical research and religious studies on my own just as an independent researcher just doing deep dive after deep dive into this, into that, that issue. And it took me... I, I, it took me several years to become comfortable with it I mean it really did it took me several years um, and one of the things that's hard right now is this is, this is probably one of the biggest hang ups that people in the fundamentalist groups when they leave the fundamentalist groups and come to the church it is one of the biggest hang ups they have it's hard for them and, and as church members we want to roll our eyes at them and say oh just oh that's so crazy and it is but you're trying to rearrange 20 years or 40 years or a lifetime of wiring that doesn't happen overnight that just doesn't happen overnight it didn't it didn't happen overnight for me and it, and I, I had some experiences that helped me get through that in a really unique way that that I've never looked back on. Um, And so, including (laughs) meeting a black man in the temple and having to take his hand. (laughs) Um, It it just, it's it's a very difficult topic. It's a raw, it's a raw topic. It still is somewhat raw even just in the LDS church when people find out, you know, some people will find out, oh my gosh, they didn't, they, they used to not let blacks hold the priest, didn't it? Whoa! I'm out of here. You know, yeah. some people in the church. Are like, I've had I've had good friends who have left the church over that very issue. It's still a lightning rod topic, and it certainly is inside fundamentalism as well.
0: All right. Well, so is there anything else we need to talk about that, as far as race is concerned?
1: Uh, you know, not not necessarily, uh, as far as race is concerned. I th- you know, just those those historians that you mentioned. I think are really important for people to go and read, yeah. I, including members of the LDS church, um, but particular fundamentalists, because they're not... Fundamentalists are very good in their own history. I, I grew up knowing nor, more about polygamist Mormon history than I could have run circles around my LDS friends. They'd be like, what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, because you grew up in a... So you grew up in Pinesdale, Montana and your i guess elementary you were in elementary school it was a private Mm -hmm. polygamous school right correct because i know i don't know there was that keep sweet on netflix i don't know if you saw that
1: yeah i've seen little bits and pieces of it and it it doesn't exactly depict what's going on in the aub group but there's enough of it that strikes fairly close to home that it can make you uncomfortable
0: well, because one of the things that they they did was, you know, they would have a priesthood history class at the, in the FLDS. And, oh, yeah, we did, yeah. yeah. You, oh, you yeah. had those oh, yeah. as well? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and it was all about the musters and the Allreds and the... Oh, one of the
1: things that every polygamist will know is they will know their priesthood lineage.
0: And so they would know about this eight-hour
1: meeting and oh, everything yeah. that we talked oh, about Oh, yeah, 100% today. they would. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And that was just
0: a school class.
1: Not, oh yeah, not... that's going to be taught in your school classes, in your Sunday school classes, in your primary classes, in your, in your um, every, you know, across the pulpit. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to get when when you when you go to a polygamist church, um, you're going to get really sermons about three things three or four things Hand the, and really that's primarily what you're going to get and I still like I'll go with my mom sometimes uh, Mother's Day or something like that or you know if she's not feeling well I'll take her to church I'll go to church with her um, but you're going to hear sermons primarily about the history of polygamy you're going to hear sermons about the united order and consecration you're going to hear sermons about blacks and the priesthood really? oh yeah Wow, uh, and especially in priesthood priesthood lessons, you're going to hear priesthood lessons about blacks and the priesthood. You're going to do, yeah, you know, you're really going to get into that and the reasons why blacks can't hold the priesthood. You're going to hear um, lessons uh, about, I already said, United Order. You're going to hear lessons about uh, the Adam God doctrine, and you're going to hear lessons about the importance of polygamy, obviously, of, you know, and, and becoming a celestial being. Um, th- that's really the focus, are those things.
0: And so you only use, well, do they ever address the uh, thing in Jacob where it says that uh, man should only have one wife?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you, again, yeah. The way, they, the, the way they address that is that, that un, unless you're commanded to. And they're commanded and to. And they're commanded to. Yeah, Absolutely so yeah there's a whole you know there's a whole nother line of you know currently what's going on and of course you know honestly we probably really don't have time for this but um of the the leadership and what's going on with within the leadership of the AUB currently and things like that but it's a it's a unique history um I jokingly said on my I was talking to my son today on the way down here and he said you're getting you're going on a podcast and he goes he says well you probably know quite a bit about that and i said well i, I know quite a bit about a really narrow topic <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty good inside this little <laughs> really narrow topic but it fascinates me and it encompasses so much yeah. I, you know every, everywhere from the temple you, you're you're dig, digging into deep doctrine of temple endowments and blacks in the priesthood and adam god doctrine and uh, the theology of of the celestial kingdom. What is the celestial kingdom, and and becoming gods, and you know things like that. You know, they're that's that's what the the fundamentalist groups are. They're living the pinnacle. They're living the the top doctrines. You know, that's that's what their focus is.
0: Do, do I've heard that they're not as strict on the word of wisdom as LDS are?
1: No, they're not. Uh, that's that's kind of an interesting conundrum. That's that's a pretty astute observation, actually, because they're they're not. In fact, that's one of the things they kind of think that the church is a little bit snooty about. <laughs> so you, you don't know. have word of wisdom lessons, uh, <laughs> <like> we do. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly right. When I uh, say you,
0: you're LDS like me. But, but when it comes AUB, to the word of wisdom, yeah. it's
1: not it's not at least in the AUB group. It's not about um, like they're still very strict about. Uh, alcohol and tobacco but pretty lenient on coffee and that oh really oh yeah if you're drinking coffee they could care less so because in your chapter for the most part
0: i don't want to give away too much from your chapter but because you were you were kind of wild in college right yes but you were but you didn't partake alcohol
1: yes i yeah i i that was a no no a very little participation in alcohol i sniffed around the edges of it. I was a basketball player, so I was trying to keep my, my, my body in tip-top uh, shape and form. Um, but, yeah, the alcohol wasn't my problem.
0: <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> you were just at
0: too many parties and didn't study yeah. Enough And uh. Yeah.
1: Okay. There's this other species out there called girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Well, I don't want to give away too much because you need to read that book. Um, well, it's a long book, but anyway, Newell, i just have Newell and uh, Newell Craig. and Craig Foster yeah. on. So, um, great I, guys. Yeah, they're awesome. So, I'm trying to think, what else is there that we should know about the AUB? I, I, I am admittedly
1: an apologist, both an an LDS apologist and somewhat of, an, of a polygamist apologist. Um, but I, you're
0: also a little bit of a heretic, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I'm, a lot of, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I 100% disagree doctrinally and theologically and all that kind of stuff with so much of my good friends in the fundamentalist movement in the AUB. Um, I disagree with the way that my, I love my dad and love my mom and, and, and my dad's wives. And had an incredible family. We really did have an incredible family and a unique way of growing up. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but I, I disagree. I, don't want, I didn't want to live my life that way but the but i also don't want to tell them that they can't live their life that way and i think that there's too much of that like we want, we want to tell them the way that they can't you're not supposed to live your life that way so i'm a bit of an apologist that way um religious libertarian maybe <laughs> um the thing about the aub is the aub and this is i I'm, this this is I'm, trying to thread the needle here a little bit the AUB traditionally has not been a group that has been out there and in the headlines and you know they've really until Cody Brown yes yeah, until, until Cody Brown yeah um, they've kind of really honestly tried to stay to themselves st- stick to themselves live their live their life live their doctrine leave us alone we'll leave you alone Will just be fine. Um, they're they're not trying to say they, for the most part, their history is full of live and let live. Even though they have inside themselves have winnowed and and separated wheat from chaff. Um, but as far as the outside world is concerned, they haven't tried. They haven't really tried to go against the grain too much. They've tried to integrate. Might be a good word. They've tried to integrate into the world and be not of the world, but you know, are part of the world, but not of the world, I think is how you say that. Um, but th- that is changing. It is unfortunately changing, even in the AUB group. What do you mean, unfortunately? There's less and less of, of that openness. And I see the, this is these are the things I started talking to my dad about before he died. As far back as 2005, I said, you know, there's something that's starting to happen in the AUB group. They're starting to close in. They're starting to solidify. They're starting to close in. They're starting to shut out the outside world. Uh, that's starting with, the, with the, this you know, this jumping and this appointing of who the next successor is. That's going to cause big problems for them. It may not cause big problems right now. and It has caused big problems for them, but it may not cause big problems with Dave Watson. Dave Watson's a really good guy. You know him? Mean, he's a good guy. Um, it may not cause problems with him, but eventually that policy... It's a hand grenade with the pin already pulled. And it will explode and lead to more splits and more fracturing. It it just will. That's what happens. So that's one thing that is happening.
0: So you think the LDS succession, based on seniority, provides
1: a lot of stability? Oh, it it provides a tremendous amount of stability. Because, now, we don't know the inner workings of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, but we, uh, Twelve Apostles... And I'm sure that there's some, some inner workings that we would be like, whoa, that's crazy and that's wild. They'd probably get into some pretty good arguments and some open debate and things like that. But, but what we also know is that brother so-and-so or elder so-and-so who might have really strong opinions about something, maybe he does and maybe he's loud and, and out there about it, but he might not ever be the president.
0: I mean, I've heard rumors, you know, when David O. McKay died, Joseph Fielding Smith was next in line, and he was 92, I believe, Mm -hmm. and suffering from age. Sure. There was talk about jumping uh, over him, and uh, I heard a deal was struck.
1: And President Hunter, the same way, was very, very old, with President Hinckley, who was seem to be have abundant energy forever <laughs>
0: right. so are you saying that the fact that we kept that we we kept with that kept the stability
1: oh i I hundred percent believe that 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 is one of the things that is that has led to the stability of the LDS church is that there is not that vying for political position the politics that can be that could be played at the highest levels
0: i mean the question comes what happens if somebody's senile
1: (laughs) it's bound to happen right the the next in line is going
0: to be senile
1: it it may have already happened i don't know um but yeah you're right it's probably bound to happen so, you know, but that has been one of the stabilizing forces. I, I honestly believe that that is a, one of the rudders that has helped guide the LDS church and, and allowed them to grow and to, to keep themselves, for the most part, on, on a safe track. Inside the fundamentalist communities, it leads to these one-man rules. And, you know, the head of the priesthood, and, and, and he's just almost like an an oligarch in in so many ways and and starts ruling with an iron fist and because that's the nature of man what does joseph smith say about the nature of man is unfortunately as soon as they
0: get a little bit of authority right well i mean that's exactly what happened in the flds right with oh yeah because ruling his big thing was one man rule Mm -hmm. i mean that's you know that I'm, i'm so glad you brought up that because one of my big questions, and, and I hope you can answer this. You know, I know Ann Wilde is, is an independent fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. And one of the things um, that she said was, "Well, you need to find somebody with priesthood authority. So, but if you're an independent, do you go to an AUB member and say, Hey, will you marry us or whatever? Sometimes they do. And so they will marry people out, outside the faith.
1: Th- that has that has happened, yes, but generally speaking, they would say, no, you need to join our group. You need to join our organization in order to do that, yeah.
0: So do they join for a month and then?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah oh, yeah. That, you know, we, we grew up with, um, you know, we were constantly warned that the, the independent young men from independent families who had no priesthood head, who had no priesthood lineage, Priesthood authority—they would constantly be coming to our dances and looking to to pilfer off and 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 take these young women out of the AUB group. And and sometimes, you know, you'd get somebody, one of the Barlows or one of you know somebody like that, that would come in and hang around the group for a little bit and marry a girl, and then they'd be gone. You know, stuff like that would happen, and so you're constantly on. On edge about that that type of thing. Yeah, you you learn to to kind of keep an eye out for that. They don't like that happening.
0: And I guess ceilings do they have they don't have to happen in the temple, and and probably haven't happened in a temple in the A. B. very much. No, but they do have an endowment house
1: now since since uh, they they started building that in the 1980s mid 80s, and so you, in order to, to be sealed, you need to go through the endowment house. Well, because I know there are stories, of or the temple in Mexico. They do have a temple in Mexico.
0: The AUB has a temple yes. in Mexico. Is
1: that the only temple? Yes, that's their only temple.
0: Because I've heard stories about, especially when between eighteen sixty and eighteen ninety, they would just seal people on the train. <laughs> they would just have a sealing ceremony, sure, or or whatever. So you know i remember Anne said you don't it doesn't have to be in a temple yeah, it, it, it would be nice if it could it would be nice if it could that, if that's,
1: it, much, that's much more of an independent line of thinking okay where somebody like Anne would say something i'm not trying to accuse her of that but yeah that would be an independent who's who's thinking that way like well yeah a temple would be nice but since there isn't you know we have a history of the, the, we can still seal. Um, whereas somebody in the AUB, AUB would say, "Well, there might be some circumstances where that might be okay, but it really should be done in the endowment house."
0: And that's here in Draper, uh, Bluffdale,
1: Bluffdale. Yeah. So, but you know what I was kind of saying there, Rick, is that is that the AUB group, AUB group, for so long has really, as far as fundamentalists are concerned, has kind of been somewhat of a steady group it's yeah it's had its problems and trust me there it's had problems but it's kind of because of it because it hasn't been ruled by one man it, it it's able to kind of shift and move just a little bit and, and allowed to kind of stay somewhat the same even though doctrines and things like that will kind of change but it, they don't go off in these wild hair tangents with one man saying you got to do this and all of a sudden they're appointing brides and weird stuff like But that has been introduced. We, we call it uh, among the AUB people and and friends of, we'll say, yeah, that's the path to, we call it the path to Short Creek. Oh. And you can see the markings. The trail markings are in the AUB now that lead to Short Creek. And, and if you pay attention to what's going on, you'll see some of those things cropping up. Women can't pray in public anymore.
0: They used to be able to pray. Oh, do they? Do they bless the sick? Do women bless the sick?
1: Uh, that has happened. Uh, it's not something that is regularly done. But more like
0: in an emergency yeah. or something.
1: But that that type of thing has happened with oil. Um, probably I wouldn't be surprised I don't know of a specific incident Um, but you hear stories of like nobody there wasn't a priesthood holder around so sister so and so or two women got together and took care of it Um, those are older stories I don't know of any any recent you know those are like early polygamy day stories they kind
0: of follow the LDS and say call the elders if you can yeah
1: Um, So, you know, all the markings are there, unfortunately, in the AUB group right now. It's one of the things that really concerns me. Um, I'm not not part of the AUB group. I have family, obviously, that is. Um, And I get a lot of people who say, well, why are you even concerned about this? You shouldn't even be concerned about it. Well, I'm concerned about it for a couple of reasons. One is I'm I'm a history nerd, and I I like to dig into history. But I'm also concerned that, that families can get torn apart, and they do, and they have. And you're seeing, you're seeing some of that same stuff right now. There's a lot more uh, follow the leader. The council members are now being referred to more and more as apostles, and the head of the council is more and more referred to as a prophet. And they are the living oracles, and they are the deciding factor on any decision. Um, And so you're seeing some of this stuff crop up. Um, You're seeing cover-ups of child abuse and sexual allegations um, among some of the leading people in the group that were just kind of washed under the rug like, ooh, let's not talk about that. Mm -hmm. All of the markings are there in the AUB group of, of the same markings that were there if you study the Short Creek group and what happened there and, and where they're at with Warren Jeffs and all of the mayhem that has happened. Um, I'm not saying that history re- will repeat itself, but we often hear that, uh, you know, maybe it's not repeating itself, but it does rhyme. <laughs> and, and so when you start to look at that, you, you're seeing those same things happen in the AEB group.
0: Is there anything else we should talk about i
1: can't I can't think of anything Rick I, you and I could probably sit and talk all night long. I certainly don't want that to happen to you. you've got a family to get to, and I have things to do too so but we can certainly stay in touch and and it's it's kind of fun to have another contact yeah definitely <laughs>
0: definitely so well, Joe Jessup, I really appreciate you being here' yeah, on Gospel glad to Tencent. be here
1: yeah good to meet you and and uh wish you well and wish you luck and i'll be paying attention i've loved watching you in the past too and it's kind of kind of neat to get the out of the blue call so yeah
0: (laughs) well i was glad eric set that up and and i will just tell everybody uh persistence of polygamy volume three do you know what chapter it is i don't know just look up Joe i I, I can't remember
1: which chapter it is you know what that book is that book is really cool yeah um, there's there's some really cool stuff. Eric Rogers is in there too. His chapter on Ruin Allred that's the that's the chapter about Ruin Allred's first marriage and his journey out of the church and into polygamy. Fascinating chapter. That the very first chapter in that in that volume is really well as well and I can't really good as well. I can't remember who wrote that. She has a uh, her family grew up in polygamy but stayed in the church. That was a really cool chapter. There's lots of really cool reading in there.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks for being on Gospel. Okay. Thank we'll you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Joe Jessup. Joe, thank you for traveling all the way down from Montana and and meeting with me. We'll have to get together again maybe for March Madness or something like that. So, thanks again for being on Gospel Tangents. In our next conversation, we're going to talk to a person who believes Joseph didn't practice polygamy at all. We're going to talk to an apostle from the Joint Conference of Restoration Branches. His name is Patrick McKay.
2: I grew up in the RLDS Church, the Reorganized Church, and like most branches of the Restoration, we believe we're it. (laughs) Every, Every branch of the Restoration you talk to, they believe they're the one true church that is a continuation of what began in 1830. And you know, as I was reading Section 1 one day, it's in your Doctrine and Covenants Section 1 and in ours, he refers to this as the only true and living church on the face of the earth, speaking to church collectively and not individually. And I paused and I thought, what does that mean collectively? We knew in Joseph's day there was only one organization but following his death it fractured into many groups and has continued to fracture throughout course of time. And I began to think a lot about that and recognize there were people that were really inspired in the Restoration, had given their lives to it, had devoted their lives, brought their children up in the Gospel and and had made a real impact, whether they were Mormon, or RLDS, or Hedrickite or Church of Christ Bickertonite, or the Elijah message, and so forth. So we began visiting some of these groups of people.
0: If you like what we're doing here on Gospel Tangents, please become a paid subscriber at gospeltangents.com or patreon.com slash gospel tangents. We've got full transcripts on our website at gospeltangents.com. And if you'd like to check out some of our other conversations, click over here. Thanks.